financial infidelity can ruin your marriage and your money. Learn how you can set up a financial system that allows the two of you to be open and honest and work together on your biggest goals. Welcome to Couple Money, a podcast focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Learn how by visiting bankbetter.org. Financial infidelity is more common than you think. A recent survey conducted for the National Endowment for Financial Education revealed that two in five Americans admitted to committing financial infidelity. Add to that, TD Bank last year found in their survey that some of the top financial secrets included hidden bank accounts, gambling and credit card debts, and unpaid student loans. It's a wide net. It can be scary both as a spouse in the dark and sometimes the one doing it, which sounds weird for that second half. But here's another thing I noticed, at least in this community, when I get emails many times, and someone is committing financial infidelity, it's usually not because someone is trying to ruin their marriage or their finances. There is some breakdown that snowballs into something bigger. And there are plenty of ways that couples can start drifting with their finances and slowly shift towards that gray area and finally cross that line. For example, you can have one spouse carrying all the responsibility with the finances and it starts to become a burden. They start making judgment calls, and from there, it can get messy quick. You may remember Travis and Bonnie. He had been handling the day-to-day finances for years, and she preferred to let him run with it, not really looking at the numbers. But over time, the overspending and not having that accountability led him to admit to her that they were on the brink of bankruptcy. Now, this is an extreme example, but it highlights a point. Communication and having some sort of system is key to making things work with your marriage and your money. So how can you prevent financial infidelity from happening? And if it has happened or is happening now, how can you regain that trust and team up with your finances? In this episode, we're going to get into different forms financial infidelity can take and some warning signs to look out for. You'll hear one couple's story about how they work to regain their trust after financial infidelity, and then how to create an open and transparent system for your money together. Let's get started. One of the tricky things about financial infidelity is trying to define it. It can show up in different ways with your finances and marriage. A few years ago, for example, I had someone send in a question about a surprise bonus that they were expecting. For the first time, their company was going to cash out the unused vacation days. And so this was a bonus check that their spouses weren't expecting. And the person that submitted it in told me how their coworkers were open about how they were going to hide the money. And part of it was justified because this was unused vacation days. Now, would you consider this financial fidelity? According to some, financial infidelity is when one spouse is making significant financial moves without telling or the other knowing. 
Now, how would you define significant? And this is hard because there isn't a specific number as every couple situation and therefore finances are different. If you have a tighter budget, for example, a small purchase can have a big disruption. No matter what your financial situation is though, there are some things that you can look out for. First one is secret accounts. Now we talked about recently, sometimes spouses have a fun money account that's typically used for purchases like their hobbies and maybe gifts. But separate doesn't mean secret. For example, have you found statements for a credit card you didn't know about? Or if you have a joint credit card, have you been removed as an authorized user? These are big red flags for sure and ones that you need to address as soon as possible. There's also missing money. Does the balance in your joint account look much lower than you expected? One reason for both spouses to be a part of the conversation when it comes to the budget and finances is so that there's an accountability and there's awareness of how the finances should be going. And this can help you spot a problem when it's smaller rather than catch it when it becomes a big issue. And then unexpected purchases can be another warning sign. Now, I'm not talking about the occasional small purchase here or there, but constant purchases that break the budget can add up. Those Amazon deliveries, uh, shopping bags you see around the house, are you aware of what's being bought? And then let's talk about those hobbies. You know, buying something for a hobby in itself is not a red flag, but does your spouse seem to have a spending problem with certain things? It can be that they spend all of their allocated fund money and then they start dipping into the joint account. And this can also be a warning sign that they have a compulsive spending problem, which is an issue that needs to be addressed. So what do you do if you see any of these? How do you start the conversation? How do you start working on this? Well, I wanna share how one couple work together to overcome financial infidelity. Moving forward after you discover financial infidelity can be hard. One of the things that is broken is that trust. So how do you move forward? Ty and Talat McNeely, the talented creators behind his or her money, had to deal with this situation. Years ago, as they were preparing to get married, they were doing all they could to get things started on the right foot. They got premarital counseling. They had conversations about money, their lives. Things were looking up for sure. And then Ty discovered the financial infidelity. They were kind and generous enough to share their story on an early episode of the podcast. And we did do a deep dive on it. But today, I just want to give a snippet here of how she found out what talks they had to have and the steps they took to deal and overcome financial infidelity as a couple. It was day one it was because right before our marriage, we yes. were having the conversations about money ahead of being married. And so our personalities came out. I was the natural spender. I was reckless. I had a bunch of debt. I didn't have a clue at the time. And on the other hand, Ty is a natural saver. She was working in financial services, perfect credit. My credit was messed up. So it was kind of pretty apparent that we were on two different playing fields when it came to the topic of personal finance. And we knew we had to figure it out if we wanted to win. Yeah, we must mention too that in the beginning, uh, we sat down with our pastor to have premarital counseling and she asked all the right questions and 
And he answered it just like I thought that he should. And, and I answered just like he thought that I should. And we pulled our credit reports and we reviewed our credit reports. So I knew that Tyler had some financial uh, setbacks uh, because clearly his uh, credit report showed that. However, we had a big bump just about three months prior to getting married where I discovered uh, financial infidelity. And I discovered that he wasn't as transparent as he should have been uh, before we got married about his finances because he was trying to handle it all. He was trying to pay it all, pay down his entire debt before we got married. So, I mean, he was working more than one job. He was delivering pizzas and uh, working a full-time job at the time. So I just thought I saw a go-getter. I saw someone that was determined um, and I was just pumped about it. I was excited, but little did I know that he was working these multiple jobs so he can pay off this debt that I was unaware of before we got married. Well, I was, I would say I was a reformed uh, spender and I was at the point as an individual to where I kind of had an awakening that the way I was going about money was all wrong. And I knew that I needed to make a change. And so I was at the point where I was ashamed of all of the debt that I had acquired. And here I am about to embark on a marriage, a new life. And I didn't want to bring these old bad decisions that I made into the marriage. So my thinking was, well, I just got to hustle up and try to figure out how to get rid of the debt. And I, I can't tell her this because she'll look at me differently. She won't think I'm the guy that I built myself up to be. You know, mm -hmm. when we were having these money talks now that we're engaged, you know, I meant what I was saying. I was starting to understand money a little bit better. But the problem was I was still had to deal with my past mistakes. They were still right there in front of me. There were still bills and bill collectors that I'm dealing with that all that was there because of the decisions that I had made previously. So my thought, which was an incorrect thought was I can't tell her because she won't, she won't look at me to say she might not marry me because you know, Ty, like I said, she was all about it. She's all in when it comes to personal finance. And I was a mess. Even though she had a better understanding of what was happening and knew his intentions were good. It was still difficult to process. I felt like my world came down, came crashing. You know, I felt like trust like, oh, wow, can I trust him? Because here it is. Uh, he was not completely honest with me. I just had a lot of emotions going on, especially in my mind on what to do. Until I realized, hey, he's a good man. His money issues had nothing to do with him uh, of how he treated me. He treated me like a queen, like my father always taught me. So I knew that as long as we came together on one accord that, hey, we can do this. And if it wasn't for the fact that, as I mentioned, that I saw determination in my husband, I saw that he was willing to change. I saw habits of his changing. Uh, he was reading different financial books and stuff like that. It was very encouraging. So what we did, we had a long talk and we had to lay all our cards out. We had to be completely honest with each other now um, that some of the financial infidelity was uncovered. He had to tell me everything about his past financially sold and, and I had to do the same. So once we maintained that, then we were able to work together and come up with a plan on how we can handle our finances. I'm the one that goes through our bank accounts, whether it's daily or every other day and things like that. But we both sit down and we both do the budget. We have meetings, financial meetings together. We talk about expenses that are coming up that need to get paid. But as far as the one that's going to the bank handling like the different transactions, I do that. One of the most important things that we did was we decided that we were in this together. Mm -hmm. We were married. We were one. There wasn't any 
for a lack of a better term, his and her money. And there wasn't any, there wasn't any his and her debt. It was, right. it debt. was our debt. And Ty came on and shouldered it and said, you know what? It's not your debt anymore. This is our, let's make a plan for us to figure out how we can get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And that verbiage and that language, it changed the game because it put us, it showed that we were going to be operating as a team. It wasn't going to be any individuals. Again, you can't operate individualistically in any area of your marriage and especially not your financial arena. You have to work together. You all have to play on the same team. There are a lot of fantastic points to tie into Lot's story. First off, I want to mention that now they are completely debt-free, including their mortgage, and they run a business together. But that journey wasn't easy, and it definitely took work on both of their parts. There's some things that stuck out to me when I was listening to their story, even just now again, was one, they sought outside help. Even before they realized that they had an issue that they needed to deal with, they were comfortable getting outside help, getting that premarital counseling. Two, they were having these conversations about life, about finances, because they were trying to get on the same page with their values and priorities. The third is when Ty did find out about that debt, Talat owned up to it, which as you can imagine, isn't easy to own up to a mistake and a problem, but he did that and that really helped them work together going forward. And then as they were coming up with the system, I noticed number four was that their finances became more transparent, probably more so than they would have done before they found out about the financial infidelity, but regaining that trust was important to both of them. And then the final one, number five, was that they decided that they were going to tackle the debts together, put them on the same side. It made them think as a team and work as a team. So how can their story help you to create an open financial system where you're working as a team? The first step is probably going to be very difficult because when you discover this, you're going to more than likely have an emotional reaction. But my first tip is don't start off with accusations. It's the quickest way to shut down the conversation for things to get defensive and for an argument to blow up even further. But you do need to confront this. So just open up about it when you're calm and you can say something like I discovered you know with the finances that something doesn't match up there was a credit card I didn't know about I think we need to talk about this if you talk in a calm manner it'll put them at ease and also let them know ahead of time what you're concerned about you're more likely to have a productive conversation about this and then the second step is open up about finances Something that's been helpful for other couples that are dealing with this is just be clear that this is going to be a judgment-free zone. You just want to get to the bottom of this and better understand where they're coming from with this account or these purchases that they're making. When Ty did that, she noticed that the motivation behind hiding this debt wasn't malicious, but this was something that was based on shame and that Talat thought that he could handle it on his own. Now, if you think this is going to be too difficult for you, and that's perfectly fine, or you feel like this is a serious enough situation that you want to have someone else there, please pull someone in to keep things objective. There are many professionals out there that specifically deal with couples and finances. You can talk with a financial planner that has specific experience with this, or you can go with a financial therapist 
who can work with you on addressing not just the financial issues, but maybe the communication issues that you guys are having. And then going forward, since we're talking about transparency, you should also be open and honest about your feelings as you're processing them. Forgiveness can take time. So being open about where you are and how you're feeling can make things a little bit easier as you go through this together. And speaking of going through things together, maybe shifting the conversations towards mutual goals that you have so that you can start working as a team. And part of regaining that trust may mean having different spending expectations or accountability plans so that the two of you are both in the loop and that both spouses feel comfortable with how the finances are going. And a great way to do this, whether you're dealing with financial infidelity or just the regular day-to-day of marriage and money, is going on those money dates. These are low-key outings and get-togethers that the two of you can have so that you're talking about finances in a more relaxed setting. And then finally, I do want to point out, if you feel this is a big issue that's going to take some time to work through, seek counseling included as part of your budget, even if you're pausing paying down debt or your savings goal. This is something that needs to be addressed. That way the two of you can move forward together. Think of it as an investment in your relationship. This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I want to share a few key takeaways I got from preparing this episode, as well as a money tip that you can use this week. The first one is assumptions can destroy your finances and add needless stress in your marriage. There are so many ways that financial infidelity can show up in our relationships and in our finances. So being open about things. When you see something that is not right with the finances, speak up. It can be a small issue that you nip in the bud or it is something that you need to address. So if you feel uncomfortable about something or something seems off, please start having that conversation. And then the second kind of mentioned this a few times, but I want to emphasize this. Get outside help if you need it. If you had a physical health issue that you were dealing with, you'd probably go with your doctor. And you should feel the same way about your marriage and money. Depending on your situation, finances, and relationships, there are several professionals that can help out. Or you can even reach out to friends who have been happily married for years and have them kind of be a sounding board for what's going on. Getting help is not a sign of weakness, but a sign that you really care about your relationship and your finances. And then finally, this week's money tip is tied to last week. So hopefully you got your financial snapshot done and you had to talk about where you are now. I'd love for you to take an afternoon or evening this weekend and come up with a one-page financial plan. What would the two of you like to accomplish in the next year, five years, so on? Keep it short. We just want to have a list. And then choose one goal that you're both excited about. And write down the steps you need to get there. And then on your next money date, break down those steps and see if you can get the ball rolling either with paying down a debt, saving towards a goal, or investing more towards your future. 
I know sometimes it can be hard to get started with talking about money, so if you want to discuss this more, don't forget to join us in the Thriving Families group on Facebook. Our goal is to help one another out. We have hundreds of families there. It's a great positive community where we support each other. Just head over to couplemoney.com FB. We hope to see you there. Dealing with financial infidelity can be incredibly difficult. So I hope this episode makes it a little bit easier to be more open about your finances. As always, I'll have the resources we mentioned in this episode, plus some bonuses over at Couple Money. Next week on the podcast, we're wrapping up our marriage and money series this month. Most couples marry their financial opposite, which can be a blessing or recipe for disaster. Learn how the two of you can play to your strengths and budget together. So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Our theme song was by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere and Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate it. If you ever have a question, story, or idea, please reach out to me. I'm on social media at Couple Money. Or if you're already part of the community, just hit reply to the weekly emails. I read them all. I want to make this podcast the best that it can be so you two can work as a team with your money. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.